A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sheila Shoiga and welcome to Ready To Be Real Conversations, the podcast series where I chat to people of all walks of life. Some names you'll recognise, others you might not, but my hope is that these conversations will at times inspire, challenge, educate, comfort or simply entertain you. This episode is all about labour and childbirth and my guest is midwife and childbirth educator Avril Flynn. We need to change the whole lexicon around birth. We need to change um, how we describe it to each other and what we focus on. And my focus is always on what do you want as a woman and as a birthing person, as somebody that's going to go through this amazing life event. When you vision that moment of you holding your little baby, what has just happened? What's Mm. happened for you? What does that look like? What does that feel like? And when you have that picture, how do we get there? And it's different for everybody, but you know, putting yourself at the centre of your own story is so important. Avril lives in Dublin with her husband Garrett, their three-year-old son Felix and their dog Finn. And in this conversation, she takes us from that first contraction right through to that glorious cup of tea and slice of toast after you give birth. We also share our own positive birth experiences, making this a valuable listen, especially for first-timers. She's honest and naturally funny, and her advice is reassuring, practical and empowering. And I started the chat by asking her to tell us a little bit about herself. I am a midwife, I'm a childbirth educator, and I have my own business, funnily enough, called AvrilFlynn.com. And I provide support, education, classes to not only pregnant women and people, but to single moms, single dads, everyone from the LBGTQI plus um, family bracket, people who are going through adoption, surrogacy, and um, I absolutely adore my job. And anyone that has interacted with you or has, you know, has done any classes or courses with you speaks extremely highly of you. So I feel very honoured that you're here and I'm excited. No, it's just the truth. I'm really excited about this episode because I think, um, you know, the four pregnancy related episodes that we're recording, this is this really is the biggie. This is when it is when it when it gets real. When baby is about 
to say hello to uh, to their mum, their dad, their parents, whoever they might be. And uh, it's a very exciting stroke, nerve wracking time, particularly for first timers. But it doesn't need to be scary. It can actually be really exciting and a very powerful, empowering time in your life. And the great thing is, once again, it's something that we share. We both had a really positive birth experience. And I think it's important that people hear that it's possible, very, very possible for you to have the same. And the, the you I'm referring to is a person that's listening to us now. This can happen. If it happened for us, it can happen to you. So um, your little boy is three now, Felix. That's right. So can you share your own birth experience with us? Yeah, and I love what you were saying there. I I feel that we need to, one of my taglines is taking the fear out of birth one bump at a time. And I had obviously been a midwife and I had, um, it was almost like the, the ultimate research project <laughs> to, yeah. to have a baby myself. But the weird thing about me was I did not like being pregnant. I didn't enjoy it at all. Yeah, I had okay. I had a very healthy pregnancy, but I was incredibly anxious. Um, I'd had an ectopic pregnancy previously mm. and that had been very traumatic. And I definitely carried that into the pregnancy. Yeah. I also lost my mum when I was 22. Okay. And even though that had happened years ago, a lot of mother stuff came up for me. Yes. So I found pregnancy really, really tough. And I was more nervous I think than I thought I would have been mm. about birth but I am a, I suppose an avid reader and an avid investigator and I have always seen in my practice and in my work that birth can be both gorgeous and transformative and I know people will kind of be listening going oh come on now really but genuinely I, I think yeah. it is the ultimate um, you know what what's your superpower oh, I gave yeah. birth to a human and if we totally. could stand back a bit and and see that and, and my own story bore that out so my sister was getting married on the 2nd of August and Felix was due on the 1st so I I think I willed myself <laughs> into labour. He was, was due on the 1st of August? Yes. So that was my due date as well. Was it? Yeah, my little boy was born in the early hours of the 2nd. Oh, there you go. Yeah, isn't that mad? We just missed each other then. Um, <laughs> just a year, year apart. Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, so I went into, I, and I was getting pretty grumpy because I was her maid of honour. Okay. Um, so I was determined if, if I had to crawl down the aisle like uh, my, I'm very close to both of my sisters but Megan is my little baby so um, so I was determined so I, I think I kind of willed myself into labour So when was her wedding? So her wedding was on the 2nd so this was the I went to kind of the 28th I felt the first twinge 28th of July Yes And her wedding was the 2nd of August Yes So um, <laughs> okay. Yeah So felt kind of twinge um, And then As we'll discuss later Labour doesn't happen In a straight line No And particularly For first time mums Your your body has never Done this before Yes So if you imagine Your cervix is like A donut So it's a long um, Closed thin tube like a, like a donut With a little dot In the middle And for labour To happen And during labour It has to totally thin out so go paper thin and then open up so what we call effacement is thinning out and dilation which is opening up mm. so that's why it takes so long and because your body's never done this before it can happen in fits and starts yes so you can have a couple of twinges and think oh 
here we go. And then you go to sleep, nothing happens. Mm. And then the next day and the next day. And that's what kind of happened to me. It was kind of on and off. And I was determined as well um, that I, I really wanted a vaginal delivery. Um, there, there's no right or wrong way to give birth. It's all about choice. Yes. But for me, I really wanted, I suppose, to experience it. And I really felt my body was capable and able. Yeah. Um, so I labored at home eating more poor delivery. I'd say was one of their best. <laughs> some some women in labor aren't hungry at all. Um, I was ravenous. Yeah. Um, and for stuff that I hadn't eaten, because I was just like, well, you know, why not? Absolutely. So burgers, chips, like all the stuff. Um, give so me everything. Give me everything. And um, the pain and and in labor is, is difficult to describe. But for me, I felt as kind of like a strong period like pain. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't really pain. It was more kind of discomfort and pressure. And very strangely, I'm a very tactile person, but I didn't want um, my husband or anybody else near me. Yes. So I was really happy. I literally like was turning the lights off and um, listening to my tunes and had um, my nice aromatherapy at home. And I was just very, very content there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that kind of brings us on to about to, yeah, the morning of the 30th. So um, at about three o'clock in the morning, I had had enough. Um, you know, I felt myself that things were happening and I also was I was pretty tired at that stage and I felt that I wanted to kind of go in and see um, could I make the wedding or not? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so but this I want is still in your mind. Yeah. Uh, well, if, have baby. It's, it's attend a, wedding. Yeah, it sounds. I I've always <laughs> been known to be fairly dramatic, so maybe I did it just for the story. Who knows? Uh, but so I went in at about three a.m. and I had worked in the coom and um, I was also I really didn't want to go in and be told I wasn't in labour and then be mortified. So so yeah. <laughs> embarrassing yeah. for a minute. And not that anyone would even mind but it was a personal thing for me and um, so I sneakily examined myself before I went in so I knew things were happening okay um, wow well done yeah I've long arms yeah. and a lot of pillows <laughs> I, I, that, that's all I'll say um, so and I went in and I was I was five centimeters at that stage wow, and oh yeah, yeah and I was yeah. re I was really interested in what my body was doing and how mm. I was feeling because it was very different to what I thought it would be I thought I would want a lot of holding and cuddling and um, smooching get that oxytocin flowing and actually I was you know get away from me I'm yeah. you know um, but I felt really empowered but like I really like it sounds really weird but I enjoyed the process well while you're speaking I'm I'm thinking myself and I think I was like you I'm, I'm, I'm when you say you're tactile I'm exactly the same I'm normally a very huggy kind of person and I don't remember wanting any kind of rubs in the back or anything like that it was it's just, funny, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah. Interesting, yeah. Um, and that's one of the things I'll say to anybody listening. What you imagine, you know, it's why have different options that you might like. Because yeah. you might be somebody that really wants a firm massage or a light touch massage. Or you might be like us that you want to just be left alone. Yeah, yeah. So feel free to do, there's no right or wrong way to mm, do it. Big time. So anyway, I went straight over to the delivery suite and I was happy enough to 
bounce on my ball and get that gas and air, which I had never really rated before. But oh my goodness. Oh yeah, I, I loved, loved it. it. Me too. Absolutely <laughs> loved it. If I could have packaged it and brought it home. Uh, it was great. And also I'm very lucky. A lot of my uh, friends and colleagues still work in the coom, So they were kind of popping in. And I think, I mean, I think they probably drew short straws as to who was going to look after me. Because I'm sure they're like, this one is going to be an absolute pain. Not that they would. No, I'm But sure it's hard to look that. after, you know, a colleague. A colleague, yeah. Um, particularly a know-it-all like me. Uh, <laughs> But um, and my because of my history of endometriosis, I I went consultant led. So my consultant kind of popped in, and I was doing great. And then everything kind of stopped. I got to five centimeters, and two hours later, I was still five centimeters. And two hours later, I was still five centimeters. And at that stage, they, um, you know, we were talking about um, augmenting. So um, augmenting means you're in labor. Mm. But things have stalled. Mm. Um, so I bounced. I did everything that I could. But kind of nothing happened. And we gave it another two hours. And at that stage, I was exhausted. Nothing had kind of happened. And and this is very common, isn't it? Really, really common. Really, when really When you leave common. your environment, Absolutely. your home, your when little you leave nest. the little nest, the little hub. Most people begin again mm. but you know really they they had like it was the absolute right call so um, I was started on a, a drip and at that stage I said you know what uh, I'm going to get an epidural yeah uh, because I reckoned myself how tired I was and I thought if I want to have a vaginal delivery yeah this is how we do it so anyway that I got the epidural in at about nine in the morning and then Felix was born an hour and a half later. So wow. all I needed, all my body needed was a tiny little bit of a break, I suppose. Yeah. And um, I loved giving birth. I just thought it was so cool. That's quick though, isn't it? Yeah, Emma? really, really quick. So I went five wow. to fully in like no, no time. time at all. Yeah. So I was just, you get little roadblocks. And, yeah. and that, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. funny thing about our bodies. They don't follow a straight line. Everybody is different. Yes. And how your body, and remember your body is reacting to another body inside it. Yes, of course. So there's an interchange there. So, um, you know, maybe Fifi wasn't in the perfect position or something and then got into one. Who knows? But anyway, he flew out. Um, I caught him. Oh, um, wow. And he, he had the cord wrapped around his neck, but I wanted to do optimal cord clamping. Mm. So before anyone could do anything, I literally whipped it off and gave him a good firm cuddle let's say and he let a big roar out of him and straight onto my chest and it was just amazing I loved it Um, and the student midwife was there as well so that was um, a lovely um, birth for her to to catch so just loved it and and for somebody so you're doing something for the very first time you're becoming a, a mother for the very first time but you're also a midwife so you have all these skills that like that I don't know many women who probably have the confidence to be able to grab their baby the second they <laughs> and oh, do all of that nightmare. so yeah well done but you. I just loved it and also it, it I felt as well with having lost my own mother at that moment of mm. birthing I finally understood what a maternal love felt like yeah. and I hadn't, hadn't felt that close to her in years and I really felt for me and that's what I talk about healing as trans- birth as healing and transformative for me it was closing that mother circle or that mother shaped mm. hole wow. so it was and Felix has my mother's crinkly little eyes so um, I really felt it was just beautiful and I want other 
women and other families to have that opportunity. Mm. And we just have such, I suppose, the pervasive line around birth is one of, oh, you know, leave your dignity at the door and, oh, well, you know, telling each other bad stories. And, and we need to change the whole lexicon around birth. We Absolutely. need to change um, how we describe it to each other and what we focus on. And my focus is always on what do you want? as a woman and as a birthing person, as somebody that's going to go through yeah. this amazing life event, when you vision that moment of you holding your little baby, what has just happened? What's mm. happened for you? What does that look like? What does that feel like? And when you have that picture, how do we get there? And it's different for everybody. But, you know, putting yourself at the center of your own story is so important. It is. And seeing it as not something to be suffered, but something to be embraced and, mm. you know, a story that we can tell each other. And I mean, imagine if we all sat around and told each other amazing birth stories, you know, imagine know. how lovely and supportive that would be as yeah. opposed to what happens at the moment is, oh, well, Auntie Sharon now never been the same. And she was in labor for three days and, you know, <sighs> And can I just say on that, without yeah. like this major TMI warning this entire episode, I don't think my partner will ever be able to listen to these episodes without <laughs> cringing wildly. But this whole thing of oh, after give birth, you're never the same down there again. Let me tell you, my friends. Yes, you are. Yeah, or better. I, I, I would go better. Yeah, or better. Like, yeah. you know, it's not true. <laughs> It's not true. And uh, we both had vaginal deliveries. Yeah. So, you know, it's not like, you know, we had C-sections and obviously, you know, a baby didn't come out that way. So we, we, we don't feel the impact. It's it's nonsense. OK, obviously, it depends on various different situations and whether there's tearing and stitching and whatever it, it entails. But I think for the vast majority of women, it's totally fine because your body is a beautiful and wonderful and powerful tool and it knows what to do and it does it does kind of and she, go back. It was it was made to do this. You know, we yeah. are the product of millions of years of evolution. And women's bodies are amazing. You know, as I said at the beginning, what's your superpower? I I, I grow humans. But the the whole system is actually made really, really well. And a lot of the time we focus on when things go wrong, but we don't focus on that in the main, most things go really right. Yeah. And your body grows just, you know, in the middle, for example, you at the moment, in the middle of a pandemic with the world, you know, being unsure and crazy, you've managed your amazing body without a conscious thought to grow a beautiful, healthy, perfect little being inside you. How amazing is that? For sure. And I know how lucky I am. And and you know what? I think you. I'm glad you brought it up because I think it's important that we kind of refer to the landscape of the now and certainly what it has been for so many women who have given birth in the height of the restrictions without getting into detail about it. You know, hats off to you. And and anyone who's concerned about it now, because, you know, when I when I gave birth four years ago, life was very different. And and my heart really does go out to everyone who is feeling that added stress that goes with the now. Um, and it's easy to say, but just relax and, not, and all the rest. But the more you do try and connect with yourself and your baby and tell yourself that you have this the better the experience will be, regardless of how baby comes into the world or you decide what to do. Um, but as you said, it's about you making that decision for yourself, not leaving it up 
to everyone else to make it for you. And also protecting what I call your birthing space. And I don't mean that in, in a literal sense. I mean that you have to be a gatekeeper for what what you feed into yourself. Mm. So for example, I would be really anti anybody that's pregnant watching One Born Every Minute or one of the um, you know, live birth shows or whatever, though, like I would uh, put it akin to watching The Fast and the Furious and then learning how to drive. Yeah. Um, it, it's a show. It yeah. is meant for yeah. dramatic purposes. They yeah. will pick the most dramatic, you know, they won't show somebody, you know, just coming in, having a baby, everything going well and going home. So if you've listened to positive podcasts, watch positive YouTube clips ensure that you guard your space that if somebody is telling you a negative story you just say can I just stop you there I haven't had this experience yet but when I do I'll I'll listen to yours yeah. whereas we can be quite bad in Ireland for just we'll, we'll kind of suffer through because we don't want to be rude yeah. and we need to stop being so polite and I, um, I'm saying this to Kitty in, in last week's episode yeah. where you know um, isn't Kitty amazing she's fantastic and Luciana's are like they're just fab yeah really fab um, but like people love to tell you when you when you kind of share the, what your desired wish is for your own birth experience to tell you that Ara that's nonsense because you haven't done this before and you think you know but you don't and people can be very dismissive I don't think they mean to be hurtful they, they think in a strange way maybe they're doing you a favour by preparing you for the reality of it just because somebody that you know be it a sister or a friend has had their experience that isn't different to yours doesn't mean that it's not possible I love I loved hearing your birth story and it's it's for me it's it's weird I'm doing a lot of sharing in these episodes that I normally I wouldn't do because you know obviously podcasts are about the guest not the host but it's nice to be able to to share what I went through and remind myself that I did do that because I think sometimes we forget now that I'm 30 weeks pregnant I am sort of thinking how did I do that but I did so I need to remember that I did do it and if I did it before it's possible again and your body will remember that's the amazing thing about bodies that have birthed even if you think you can't your body retains muscle memory your body knows how to do this yeah. so you just need to let go and let your body do what it does and you'll fly it okay great hopefully I've already kind of I've shared little bits here and there through previous episodes but essentially um, my first contraction kicked in at half six on the 1st of August which was my due date by half ten I was in the coom uh, I had the tens machine on so at home I it was it was coming like I, the sensations were full-on I was actually vomiting in the sink in the kitchen <laughs> Very common. Yeah. Very, very common. And I'm anyone who knows me knows I absolutely there's one thing I can't deal with at all is getting no, sick. I can't. So you were crying probably. So I hate yeah, it. It's horrible. <laughs> I hate it. But I was thinking like because I was almost in the beginning going, is this a contraction? Because it was like a it was like a hot flush. What I would imagine a hot flush to be like heat through my body. And I wasn't really sure initially. And then it started to ramp up and ramp up. And the tens machine, I didn't necessarily know if it was any good until I put it into action. Now I love it and I can't wait to use it again. So I had that ramped up. We arrived into the coom at half ten and I was six centimetres. And then I, very, I was very lucky because I wanted to be in the, the pool in the coom. And it's a bit of a lottery. Obviously, if there's another woman labouring in it, you've missed your chance. But it was empty. I was really, really lucky. So I got to go into the pool, which was amazing. And... Then 
I'm not sure how many hours later. Time is funny, isn't it? It's it doesn't, weird. Yeah, you don't really have a concept of it. It's very different. Time yeah. runs differently when you're in labour. Totally. I was definitely a few hours in the water, but I got to 10 centimetres. And then, like you, no. It's a bit like Carl just didn't want to come out. He was just happy out. And it was kind of like, and every time I'd be like, am I ready? Am I, you know, and I was thinking, this is it. Because I was seeing a feeling pressure, but it was just not happening. Um, anyway, got out and I ended up giving birth on the bed. And, uh, you know, I was very lucky that I had, you know, my partner was really supportive. I, I was very lucky I had a doula. And I know for people listening, like this, these are a lot of people to mention that maybe they're not in that position right now to have. Um, I also had a fabulous midwife and my consultant was amazing. And she really hung back and respected my, my, my choices, my wishes. And I gave birth to him at 18 minutes past three in the morning. And yeah, it was amazing. I mean, look, it was, I will never forget that moment when his head is coming out. <laughs> it's like intense. You know, it's intense, people. But it's also, you feel, as you said, you feel like superwoman. You really do. There's no better feeling in the world. Um, so look, it was it was incredible. My consultant did tell me afterwards that I think I'm the only person she's ever heard sing during labor. <laughs> I was singing when I was in the birthing pool, apparently. And I was saying to Damon, is that true? And he said, oh, yeah, you are, yeah. Singing along to Do you have playlist. a nice voice? Sometimes. <laughs> I, I doubt it was when I was in labor. But um, yeah, no, look, it was, it was brilliant. And I feel very, very, very fortunate. So let's talk about, you know, that first twinge the first contraction and what that might feel like for particularly for a first time uh, mom to be so th- we kind of forget that our 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 all of our systems are connected so when you have your period and how you experience period pain is not dissimilar to how you might experience the first twinge because it's the same thing that's happening. Very it's a good way of looking at it. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes people feel period pain down their legs. Sometimes people feel it really in their lower back. And normally in the first that what we call the latent stage of labor, which is from about zero to three slash four centimeters. And just as a caveat, let me explain, because sometimes we talk about centimeters and it's like, what are you talking about? So we're not talking about centimeters in the vagina. We're talking about your cervix. So your cervix is the neck of the womb. And I know some people will be like, oh, that's obvious, but it's not. It's not actually so. Um, so the physical changes you don't actually see on the outside. The changes are internal on the inside. So it's your it's your cervix. And when we say three to four, it's because it's a guesstimate. So if I examined somebody, um, I might say three. Somebody else might say two and a bit. Somebody else might say four. It's it's a it's a it's a relative guesstimate. Yeah, you're not putting a ruler up there. No, <laughs> definitely not. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, and and there would be a kind of research that would suggest that doctors would overestimate slightly and midwives would underestimate slightly. Why? Uh, well, the I suppose one of the theories would be that midwives would like to give more time. Whereas um, doctors would come from a more physiological, medicalized kind of, so they would be on, if that makes sense. So that's what we're talking about. So in that latent stage of labor, that can come in fits and starts. Mm. So you can have a couple hours and you think, oh, here we go. And then it might just ebb away. Normally for first time 
um, mums, if, if, if first time that your body's going through, that's what is happening. It ebbs and flows. So there could be a couple of false starts and, and it can be gutting that you think, oh, here we are. And you might go in and get checked out and they'd say, oh, I'm sorry, you're not in labour yet. But don't lose heart. It doesn't mean things aren't happening. It just means it's taking a little bit longer. Yeah. So not until you get to the three or four centimetres would we be described or medically diagnosed as in labour. Yes. So we call the three to 10 centimetres active labour. And that whole zero to 10 centimetres is also called the first stage of labour. And also, as you said, your body is doing something it's never done before. So even to get to one centimetre is a big deal. Is huge. So there isn't another. So, so the neck of the womb, the cervix is a muscle. There is no other muscle in a human body that goes through a physiological change like that. It is entirely wow. unique. There's no other organ in the body that actually does what our cervix and our uterus do. So it, it's amazing. Mm. And remember, the uterus has been spending the previous 10 months thickening muscle, getting all of that lovely blood supply to give your baby every, all the nu- nutrients that it needs, but also to get, get, get your uterus toned and strong. And that's what your uterus is. It's one big muscle. So a contraction or a surge or a wave, if we're talking hypnobirthing, mm. starts at the top or the fundus of your uterus. And similarly to, to the muscle membranes in your heart, so um, that uh, the heartbeat starts at one part of the heart and then flows through like a wave, is quite similar to the contraction of oh, yeah. your uterus. So it starts at the top and then moves down towards towards your cervix. And what that is doing is it's pushing baby's head down onto the cervix mm. and it's also drawing up and out your cervix. So that's the the mechanical action, if you will. And your baby is an active participant in this, which is really cool because we forget about them sometimes. We think, what are you doing in there? They want most of the time, apart from Cahill, want to be born. (laughs) So there was a really cool MRI of a woman in labour and a woman giving birth. And the baby was literally almost trampolining off the bottom of the uterus, like physically pushing themselves and, um, wow. you know, pushing themselves, you know, so th- so they are an active, an active part. And, and like we mentioned, depending on their position, that can hugely affect your pain levels and it can f- hugely affect the length of your labor. Yeah, so okay. what's the average length of a labor? Well, how long is a piece of string? And mm. um, the medical books would say that you want somebody, you want a woman to dilate one centimeter an hour we're not computers and our bodies don't work like that. So similar to my story, I got to five centimetres, nothing happened for hours and then I went from five to ten and jig time. Yes. Um, but we don't want it to happen in such a way that it's so slow that mum and baby are going to get exhausted. So there's a balancing act there. Yeah. But the best place that you can be for early labour as long as you're comfortable and as long as you have the right support and as long as all things are healthy and well and there's no reason that you need to go into your maternity unit, best place for you is at, is at home. Mm, mm. If, if, if that's comfortable for you. So at this stage, your contraction will have started out maybe one every 20 minutes 
one every 10 minutes, then one every seven minutes. And there's some great apps as well. It used to be like when I first started training, it was people with stopwatches. (laughs) Yeah, I used an app as well. I can't remember which one it was. There's loads of them. If there's loads and they're all free. So if you just put in contraction app. And are they all as good as each other? Yeah, because I mean, effectively what what you want is that you press start and stop. So when you, at the beginning of the wave or the contraction, you press start. And then you, so a contraction has a beginning, middle and end. It's not just the same intensity for the entire time Mm. so it you'll go oh it's starting and then it'll reach a pinnacle so if you imagine um going up the ski lift so you're cranking up the ski lift and then you have that moment at the top where you catch your breath and it's very intense and then you go down the side of the mountain and so or or a wave breaking the wave is building reaches breaking point and then it flows onto the shore so if you if you think of that analogy in your head it's much more handleable oh it is it is and that's really good advice and it's one contraction at a time yeah exactly you're just taking, you're not thinking and that's why time is irrelevant. So you're and thinking... being present is so important. It's, it is the, in the ultimate now. act of mindfulness. Mm-hmm, it really it's, is. It's just about... And again, at that stage, having hopefully done your prep, that you're filling your mind with your affirmations, you can do this and being supported by a birth partner who's telling you you're doing a great job. Exactly. You're brilliant. I'm so proud of you. And it's a really emotional time as well. You know, I used to think that being a midwife was half psychologist, half priest and half exorcist. Um, (laughs) But, you know, it's a time that you feel and I suppose very vulnerable yeah and a time that you can feel you can offload some you know and and that's when when I talk about birth as a healing I think that's really important to say as well so a load of emotions you can have excitement fear and shock funnily enough because even though you've been pregnant for ages it can be quite shocking to go into labor Mm. and but the actual uh, relative pain is 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 very different for everyone and some people have a really tough time and that's why there's loads of options for pain relief yes but again what I want they're there what I want to emphasize is there is no right or wrong way to give birth there is no better birth or worse birth no um abdominal birth or cesarean I still birth exactly in fact you've the scar to show for it yeah Uh, but it's about you deciding what you want you deciding what you might want if this this and this happens and you educating yourself about your choices within the maternity unit that you're going into. And then if it doesn't go to plan and if you want to say a vaginal delivery, but it ends up in a C-section, you know, maybe to go gentle with yourself and to trust that perhaps in that situation, that was the only option for to make sure that you and baby would be safe. And sometimes, you know, and I that's why for me, when I had my birth preferences, yes, I had my wishes and desires, but I was also extremely open minded. And I did always deep down feel that if my little boy is destined to come into the world, you know, via C-section, I'm OK with that as long as he's OK and I'm OK. Uh, it's not it's not my my deepest desire, but I'm OK with it. And, and you know, I think it's really important to not have such rigid ideas around birth. Because I think that's where 
I know a lot of people I know have been have felt very deflated when things didn't go to their plan, you know. And and take it personally that it's that and and some of the unfortunately some of the language around obstetrics can be very um negative, you know, um failure, you know, there's a lot of failing this and failing right. that. And what I want to emphasize is there's no such thing. No. You you've whatever way you birth your human, you are still an absolute rock star in my eyes. Yeah. And if you can view yourself as that, that this is just part of my story, this is what had to be done. Um, and isn't it great that that's possible? Um, but the most important thing, a lot of trauma around birth is, regardless of the actual minute, it's because people feel unlistened to or unheard. They feel that things were said and done around them that they didn't understand and that nobody took the time to explain. And in the main, um, that they didn't feel in control of the situation. And that's terrifying. Mm-hmm. And if you put in the not to apportion any blame or anything like that. But if you try and go, right, I am the most important person in this room and I need everyone to know that. If you get a little bit Mm. like that and and make sure that you don't lose your voice, that can be a great way to ensure that you get, are able to ask questions and get answers. Everybody wants the same thing. Every person working in a maternity unit wants you to have a healthy baby and to have a good experience. But everyone's coming at it from a slightly different angle. This is your experience. You're in the driver's seat. You decide what you want. That's really great. Yeah. And I suppose we just, we sometimes when we go into a hospital and I hear it a lot, we lose our voice a little yeah. bit. And you know what? I'm, the reason I pause there is I'm just thinking, I think a lot of people are, we're especially Irish women, we can be very much kind of people pleasing and oh sure you know best and 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 I bow my head to science I mean the reason I'm here having this conversation with you is because of 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 medical interventions you know I, I had cancer 10 years ago so I'm, I'm extremely aware of how fabulous medicine and science is but 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 um you know when it comes to a natural process like birth more often than not you are the authority far more than anyone else because it's your body and you know what's going on you know what the sensations are um so i think that's so important not to lose as you said not to lose your voice so use it don't lose it absolutely and if you don't like something that's happening you say it remember you're a consumer and a service user of a it's a maternity service they're not doing you a favor you're yeah, a consumer yeah, yeah. of the service so very good and and that's not kind of um assume that things are going to go bad because most like staff in we have such an amazing staff you know I'm not you know but we as women need to get better if you don't ask you won't get yeah and this is your experience you're not there to make friends you're there to have a good experience and if something is happening that you don't understand or that you don't like say it and there's probably a really good explanation for why something has to happen or why something is being done but any uh, medic or midwife or nurse worth their salt likes to be questioned Mm. because there's always a rationale for it but it's it's incumbent on you to ask the question because they're not telepathic either. If you know people yeah. won't won't know that you're not happy with something unless you actually verbalise it. Yes. So that's why in preparation, and I know you've spoken about this. I would see birth preferences as being really important, just to have a, a framework of okay, best case scenario, what I would love to happen. Yeah. And then f- 
when that's discussed with your care provider, they can go, okay, I want that to happen too. But unfortunately in this unit, it is our procedure not to be able to do that. Or we will absolutely try and do that. But if this, this and this happens, we won't be able to. So it's a conversation. It's then signed and put in your notes. And you then don't have to explain if there's a change of shift or if the person that you've been dealing with is on that, you know, it's there in black and white for everybody to see. And it doesn't have to be, you know, uh, uh, war and peace, 900 pages. Um, it's just a simple page like like you know with just the bullet points of what's important to you yeah and and the maternity service will endeavor their very best to facilitate you mm. um you know but if you, as i said if you don't ask you don't get so so we're in active labor so we're in active now. labor so now three, four, so things crank up a notch okay mm. things crank up a notch because your body has now gotten to the point of that it kind of has gotten into its groove so your contractions will be moving uh, up in intensity so like moving up the gears of a car and they'll also be coming closer together mm. so at the absolute height of labor you could be having uh, four to five contractions in 10 minutes so that what that means is is you'll have a contraction probably lasting a whole 60 seconds, sometimes a little bit more, sometimes a little bit less, but at least 45 seconds to a minute and a half max. Mm. Um, a minute and a half now is a little bit at the very end, but, you know, you're, I'm just trying to cover all the bases. Yeah, and yeah. then you'll have what we call a resting period so mm. that you'll have no you know your body will just relax and the preparation that we we're talking about is really important because if you can do something that you you're able to switch gears and actually conserve your energy it can be really useful for that time because you're not you haven't gotten exhausted at that stage yes. it's also at that stage that some people opt for to move from kind of a gas and air or um up to an epidural so they generally won't give an epidural until you're in active labour so and it's again some people the thoughts of not being able to ambulate and move is far worse than any discomfort that they might feel so decide yourself but again be open to it because you don't know how you'll experience like I would have said I would never have had an epidural but I was delighted I, I got it yeah yeah of course so um so it's about being open again being open to the experience yes so you, you, you really kind of have to be three or four before they'll give it to you and then what's the cutoff point to get the epidural you can have it right up until eight or nine centimetres but ultimately if you're kind of nine centimetres you've done the heavy lifting there's your 90 like if you think about your 90% of the way there yeah, yeah now you still have the whole part of getting the human out of the body yeah, but, but, <laughs> but with the way but. epidurals now work so epidurals in in kind of when when I would have been born, for example, I actually, my mum had none, but um, they were, you were like sack of potatoes. You basically had no feeling from kind of the nipples down and okay. would probably 12 hours later would still have a catheter in. Like they were really heavy. Okay. They were like spinal blocks almost really. But now actually they um, tend to, they remove the pain, but you still feel the pressure. And in fact, coming up, if, if it is a little bit heavy, they'll actually turn it down. So it's more, uh, so you can actually feel what your body is doing. Which uh, is which is really important, really important for, for the likes of really important minimizing tearing and things really like that. Really important, but yeah. also again, if we're talking about that experience, 
to feel yeah. the exit of a human from your body. How cool is that? You know, that's really reassuring because I think um, and maybe it's my own ignorance, but I, I, I probably I was aware that you still had sensation, but I didn't know how much. So you, you, you still had a lot of sensation. Yeah, oh, totally. Like, absolutely. But the pain was removed. Exactly. That's fabulous. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. I had full, pretty much full pressure sensation. So, um, so I, you know, was doing, I wasn't doing coached pushing. I was going with my body. Oh, great. So, um, which nobody could coach me, Sheila. <laughs> you forget I about, try, forget about yeah. it. They're just like, let her, let her do what she likes. So, so we're in active labor. So, yeah. uh, so that's it. It's just important just to have options. And also really importantly, to have an active and mobile birth. Yeah. So um, if you have an epidural, you can still move side to side and use things like uh, uh, peanut balls. But if you don't, you're using the bed, you're using the birthing ball, you're swaying from side to side, you're holding on to your partner. It's really good to have a little bit of a smooch um, at that stage as well to get that oxytocin flow. Yeah. And also so that you can feel safe really important that you feel safe in, in the space that you're birthing in. And um, so it's something we, we don't talk enough about because I think sometimes people are uncomfortable with it, particularly in Ireland, to talk about the link between at the end of the day, having a baby. The, OK, so we create a baby in the conventional way by having sex. Yes. It's a, it, so it's a continuation. It's our sexual organs, which is why and having o- oxytocin, a, oxytocin is the hormone that you release when you orgasm is the hormone that you need yeah. to birth. It's the one that controls the contractions. Yeah. So you might not want to snog the face off your fella or whoever <laughs> it is. Particularly, like hospitals are not yeah. sexy places. <laughs> but like, feeling loved up, feeling connection as absolutely, well. Absolutely. That's abs- really important. Absolutely. Like feeling that you know, how you got pregnant in the first place, but yeah, yeah, to yeah. Let, but feeling safe and, mm. and, and, and that kind of warmth, that's when labor can go really, really yeah, well. Yeah. That and security it, blanket. And it makes sense. Actually, when you, when we stop kind of that part of the brain overthinking, it actually makes sense. So, um, right. So we are now, are we are we nearing we're nearing full dilation? Yeah, and I want when, when I when I want people at home now to think of labor. I don't want you to think of somebody lying in a bed. Yeah, I want you to think of somebody on all fours. I want you to think of somebody in a squatting position. I want you to think of somebody standing by the bed and then lying on their side, because that is for hundreds and hundreds of thousands of years how women gave birth all the time. It is only in very recent history, like in the last 400 years or so, that women gave birth on their back. Yeah. And even for me, when I was in the birthing pool, it was big enough that I could be on all fours in it and various different positions on my side. And um, I had kind of don't really remember what positions I was I was in, except there were some photos taken <laughs> and I saw them afterwards. And wow, <laughs> it's kind of surreal to watch. Totally. It's like out of body. It's like, I don't remember that. But often I was on all fours in the bath. Um, and and look, again, the ma- while the majority of women will have their babies in hospitals, there are also plenty of women who are opting for the home birth idea as well. Absolutely. And in that situation, you may well have your own birthing pool at home. Yeah, which is kind of like a big paddling pool. Yeah, and, exactly. And also feel comfortable as well. Like we talked about kind of what you're going to wear. Sometimes people want clothes on, on and sometimes people want 
clothes off like sometimes people don't want any clothes on them at all I had no clothes it's, on but I didn't even know I had no clothes yeah, on yeah you're that's, not even it's not even where, conscious I, I wasn't even in I was I was gone somewhere else yeah do you know what I mean like midwives are unembarrassable yeah I can and imagine and they have seen it all before I can imagine yeah um, and also not to be embarrassed about your body or I think you're too distracted well for me yeah, I wouldn't have some even some people are though or are they yeah I think okay. some women are the thoughts okay, of okay. somebody seeing their vagina the thoughts of somebody seeing their pubic hair the thoughts of somebody seeing their breasts can actually hold them back a bit okay then you know what that's really important so to say, it's so. just yeah. it's just like honestly we are unembarrassable <laughs> like people that work yeah, in a hospital are totally unembarrassable so just do whatever you feel you need to do go yeah, with your body yeah, yeah, yeah. so Absolutely. we're coming up to what we call transition so yes. transition is a really interesting uh, place so what from a physiological point it's your body moving from a point at the toward the end of your first stage of labor and into the second stage of labor which is the pushing or breathing down the baby stage and you can get kind of mixed signals so I remember I was uh, helping a woman birth her baby and at that stage she went okay I've had enough now and I went, really? She's like, yeah, pack my bags. I'm not doing this today. Uh, I just have had enough now and I'm that. not I'm not having this baby yeah, today. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, listen, I'll pack your bag. <laughs> you keep breathing there and b- then we'll see where we're at. And literally 20 minutes later, she was breathing her baby down. Yeah. So it's like this weird mixing. And it can also be a time when women can get quite upset and lose a bit of faith in themselves so you hear on nearly on most births I can't do it no I can't do it you know yeah. it's, it's when the fear creeps in and that's why you have a great doula or midwife or birth support that goes yes you can yeah yes you can this is just a phase but in your head it doesn't feel like a phase in your head it feels like all right okay this is just like why did why did I have this baby mm. this is a terrible idea or there can be a lot of partner hate as well like look what you've done to me your penis is never coming near me again ever uh, so yeah um, you know and that's transition and then we move into full di- dilation so cervix is all gone and baby's head is moving down into the birth canal into the vagina mm. and remember the vagina isn't the outside bit the vagina is that amazing cavern if you imagine yes and the 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 fibers of the vagina are like a concertina okay okay yeah so they're folded up against each other so literally when the baby's head is there your body literally is able to expand Mm -hmm. it's incredible able to expand a whole human head Mm. and that's not the bit that actually is uncomfortable it's the skin and muscle on the outside that you feel an intense burning yeah and that's why perineal massage from about 34 weeks is amazing yes because you learn to get to understand what that feeling is like we spoke about that in the last episode and something I know you did it's so good yeah Yeah, I'm so behind it yeah so and I I obviously when when it was happening I wasn't particularly enjoying it but I was glad that I did it when it came to giving birth and even though obviously can you compare you know it but it does give you a little bit of a sense of it, it is that kind of hot uh, hot feeling it's kind of a hot burny kind of a it doesn't sound very nice but it's it's good to psychologically prepare yourself for that it sensation is. too and, and also just so it's familiar to you so a lot of the fear in birth is because I don't know what it's going to be like 
Yeah. Whereas if you can do a couple of small things um, and even to understand, I'm a real visual learner. So I just love the thought of imagining what's going on inside all the different parts of you working together, your baby working with your brain, sending hormonal signals, the placenta sending hormonal signals and the baby's brain sending hormonal signals and your uterus doing all this job. You don't consciously make your uterus contract. It does it all by itself. It, it knows what to do. So I remember after I gave birth having really strong opinions on how I felt about the experience. And obviously they were overwhelmingly positive. But I also felt like there are kind of almost extremes. You get the horror stories and then you get the it's so natural and you just breathe through it and it's fine. And while obviously that's possible and, it, you know, it's it's beautiful and having, you know, you know, the beautiful breathing techniques, which are really important. I'm a massive believer in it. But there's also a time and a place for it. And for me, when my baby's head was coming out, it was, it was, uh, you know, a, a, a level of experience that I've never had before. And I think it does a disservice to women to kind of dumb it down because it is, it is in, it's the most intense thing I've ever experienced in my life. Um, but it's that it's that culmination. That is the moment that you stop being you and you become somebody's other. Yeah. So you become a mother in yeah. that in that moment as that. So it is such it is the most intense. And all of that is going on in your body. It actually gives me shivers down my spine because it's that important. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. I think we I mean, we're warriors. Basically, we're I, I think we're absolute like women, women are, are so powerful. And the amazing we have no thing idea is how powerful after you give birth, your vagina, by the way, is built for this. So, you know, this is what it's meant to do. This is what it's meant to do. And people are afraid of tears and stuff. And the perineal massage can help. But also how midwives and doctors are trained, they can guide, you know, they can really, really help and put on hot compresses and things like that. But ultimately, our bodies were designed to do this. And most people heal beautifully and brilliantly. So much so that the baby's out and on mum's chest and you look back and sometimes there's not even a graze. Yeah. And a human has come out of that and it now looks brand spanking new, like amazing. Amazing. Really that incredible. Quick. Yeah. Right. And well. that's what I want to emphasize as well. Again, it's about choice. So if you think, yeah, that's something I think I could handle. Maybe I'll see how I'll go and I'll have the epidural on the back burner, but I'll decide. Or you but might be somebody that doesn't sound like that's for me. I think I want an epidural in early, sooner rather than later. So again, just educating yourself and, you know, watch some, um, you know, medical free births. You know, there's some great ones on YouTube, you know, watch some hypnobirthing births mm. just so that you can grasp an idea of like, this, is, this isn't just for some people, this can be for everyone. Yeah. But more importantly, I talk about becoming a birth goddess and I know that can sound a bit woo woo and people oh, roll their it. eyes. But what I mean by that is that you get to enjoy this amazing moment and then you get to join this amazing club that you've grown and birthed a human. So, you know, to feel like a goddess, to have that feeling of I am a woman, hear me roar. Mm. Look what I've just done. And the the amount of endorphins that women have just after they give birth, there is no other recorded um, bodily or physiological experience that gives you that high. There is nothing else. It is the highest uh, dopamine and endorphin yeah, hit. And it really is. And 
wouldn't it be lovely if we could embrace that and enjoy that and go, oh, I'm really looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, no matter what happens, you get a human. Yeah. You get your human. So there is a prize. So this isn't, you know, breaking a leg. This is pain or discomfort. There is a purpose to it. That's the best reward ever at the end. Yeah. yeah. And that is the golden hour afterwards. Isn't oh, that it's magic. Yeah. So what we what we would put down on, on a birth preference, what we would hope is that we would do a thing called, it used to be called delayed cord clamping, but we now try and call it optimal cord clamping. So if you imagine that you have the umbilical cord, and at any one time between the placenta and the umbilical cord, about 30% of the baby's blood volume is actually flowing from one to the other. So it kind of seemed a bit crazy that uh, certainly when I started training, the minute the baby was out, we clamped and cut. Yeah. And now all that lovely, all that lovely stem cells and all that lovely blood just went into the bin. Yeah. But now we've realized that if baby is born in, in good condition, and 90% of them are, and um, that we put baby onto mum's chest and we actually wait for the cord to stop pulsating so that all of that lovely fetal blood goes into the baby who it belongs to. Mm. Um, and in a physiological third, so that's the third stage, so the end of the second stage happens with the baby's birth. And then the third stage is the delivery of the placenta. Yeah. And um, so then then we uh, which it, obviously once you've once you've, once you've birthed a human head the placenta is like you know <laughs> yeah don't worry about a lot it. of people don't remember it I, I don't I barely remember it but what I you're would, so loved up at that stage you are but what I would say is to have a little bit of awe for the placenta so I've always so some people are freaked out because on one side they kind of look a bit kind of kidney or liverish but on the side they are they're about the size of a dinner plate and also consider that that's the wound inside you because that's adhered to the side of yeah, the, your yeah. uterus so that's why you have loki or have bleeding after delivery for up to six weeks because it there's a wound the size of a dinner plate that's mm. trying to heal. Yeah. So, um, but on the baby, on the, what we do, on the baby side, I love the idea that if you look at it, it kind of looks like a tree trunk, the umbilical cord yeah. and the, the veins and the little uh, blood vessels look like the roots yeah, or the branches true. of a tree. And I just think there's a real tree of life yeah. mirroring of that. Like nature is so cool. So like cool. nature is just amazing. Yeah. Um, and so if, if you're not screaming, have a look, ask to have a look at your amazing placenta and imagine that that is something, an organ that your body grew to yeah. support your baby and then you don't need it anymore. So you don't need it. Is well, I, I, I did need it. Yes, <laughs> I put yes, it, of I, course. I, I, I put it in a box and got yeah. it sent off to a lab and then I... Uh, you did your placental encapsulation. I did, I did. And I actually must uh, inquire about it this time around as well. I've nothing to compare it to because I obviously, you know. But again, it worked my, for you. It worked for me. And, and again, you and did would, your research. And I would like to do it again. Yeah. Um, and again, you know, it's it sounds kind of, I think initially when you hear about it, it almost sounds barbaric, but it's, and some people do placenta smoothies and different things like that I didn't I just you know took it the capsule away and it sounds crazy but when you look into the potential benefits of it for me it, it, it felt right and and for other people who wouldn't and that's cool too and I suppose that's our message about birth it's not about the everybody it's about what would you like what yeah. do you what would you you know what do you think what does your what does your opinion because you're the most important person yeah this is your experience so grab it 
run with it and and do what you want. Yeah. Um, and then it's our it's my job as a midwife and it's our job as maternity service to be better at facilitating that. And hopefully we are moving more towards a woman centred care. Um, but that would be the goal. That yes. wouldn't it be lovely that if our experience was was the main was the most and it was it was the rarity that somebody had a rubbishy experience I know I, I just absolutely. that would be my dream and I think it's totally possible yeah. and that's what I want to say whether you're going public private whether you're going midwife led or medical led or whatever if you put yourself at the centre if you ask what do I want why mm. do I want it and use your voice it is so possible no matter if you have a vaginal delivery um induction c-section that you're at the center of this you're in charge yeah and we haven't even gotten to c-sections no and you know what before we get to c-sections let's talk about the medical interventions that can happen yes um depending and look in an ideal situation if you decide to have a natural birth you wouldn't have medical interventions but there are times when it's necessary for the safety of you and your baby. And, and aren't we lucky we live in a first world country correct. that we have access to some of the best medical diagnostics and some of the best um, obstetricians and uh, midwives are the experts in the norm and obstetricians are there to catch when things don't go to plan. Sure. And with the best will in the world, with all the preparation under the sun, yeah bodies are uh, sometimes don't play ball and babies sometimes don't play yeah, ball yeah, yeah, exactly. so this is never it's never somebody's fault if no, things don't go not. to plan uh but so the things that can happen mm. sometimes babies don't like being in labor yeah okay and um they will let you know because their heart rate will go a bit funny and then they need to get out basically we need to get them out so there there also another intervention would be uh, which would be really really common would be um, an induction so an induction means instead of your body going into labour yourself that we try and start your body into labour and so what they do is you're given prostaglandin which is a a a man-made hormone that's put um, either kind of via gel or a tampon um, or there's a, a, a balloon as well basically to soften the cervix so that your waters can be broken mm-hmm. and um, and then you're put up on a drip and um, it's 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 harder than than um, you going into labour yourself because you're going from no pain at all to five pains every ten minutes within a very short period of time. So your body has no time to adjust. So it's really really full on, and I would definitely be considering an epidural and an early one at that if I was being augmented. And also it's exhausting. You know, you can go in for your induction on a Tuesday and you mightn't give birth until the Friday because oh, wow. it can take you know it can take twenty four forty eight hours to actually get started so is it rare that you would be induced and not it result in in an epidural uh very rare Uh, yes very rare because it's just so hard you know you just don't have time to adjust at all so again forcing your body absolutely and and again into contractions there are lots of reasons why that is absolutely necessary but sometimes the reasons can be a little bit squiffy I'd say so for example the busiest uh, week for inductions in the whole world is the week before Christmas mm-hmm. um, that's not because there's more babies due the week before Christmas it's due to facilitate both both parents but also staff 
Mm-hmm. So, um, so, so just again, use your voice. And Make I've, sure you're clear on the reasoning and that there is an actual reasoning behind an induction that it's not just to suit somebody. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. It really does. I've already been told as well because I am so what was I? 30? Was I 38 having Cahill? I was 37 pregnant 38. I think I was going on 38 or I was 38. Anyway, I'm 42 now. Four years on. And um, I've already been told that if I go a day over my due date induction is is happening. That's it. That's the protocol. Um, so I will be doing everything <laughs> from 36 but again, weeks But again, to anybody labor. question that, like a week here, there, you know. Oh no, I've been told one day, one day one over. Day, one day. You'll be in. That'll be it. Um, but again, and again, any intervention has to be done with and informed consent. Yeah. But any intervention has to be done with consent. So, um, an informed consent. And that, that means you understand why something is being done. Okay. And if you don't like something, get a second opinion. Just, you know, again, don't just think, oh, they have to do this. They don't have to do anything. You need to understand why and they need to explain why. Okay. Um, and anybody worth their salt can explain it in three seconds. Like this isn't, ex- you, know, co- you know, this isn't costing a lot of time. No matter how big the disaster or the emergency, there's always time to ask questions and there's always time to give answers. Mm. So that's inductions. Um, and then... If things in the kind of second stage of baby doesn't like it or if mum is exhausted or if your blood pressure shoots up or if you start bleeding, there are other reasons why, okay, labour just can't continue. And your medical history as well. You know, there can be lots of different things that we're not aware of and all of a sudden make themselves known um, in in labour. So, or if your waters go and they then nothing happens again then you need to step in because there's a there's a slight risk of infection Mm. so there's rationale behind all these things but just make sure that you understand why yeah and then is syntocin then syntocin is the synthetic form of oxytocin so synth synthetic Mm. tocin same as oxytocin so it's so what it does is it gives your body the man-made version of oxytocin to give your body contractions. Yeah, okay. So it, um, yeah, so it's, so that's, and that's hard. Like they, they feel a lot more intense. Yeah, sure. Um, So again, just, you know, be open-minded, ask questions, make sure you understand. Mm -hmm. And also different, different maternity units have hugely different policies. So just because your friend down the road, this happened, doesn't mean that that's your story at all. Things change. And even consultant to consultant would have different rationale. So just make sure that you understand. And then we get to sections. So about um, in Ireland, the rates between are huge between hospitals. So anything between uh, 18 to 20 percent and in some units, 45 percent. OK, so we average out at about a third so one in three. So it, it's it's possible. But I love the thought of instead of calling it a cesarean section and um, that we call it uh, abdominal birth. Yeah. Because that, again, changing yeah. that, you know, it makes it more personal, I think it makes. And there have been great strides in the last couple of years that things like a gentle cesarean, which means so it used to be that you it, like it can be 
can appear if you're watching them a lot quite rough I suppose um, so with the cesarean section you go in you're given a spinal anesthesia so it gives you quite a heavy block but it wears off quite quickly and a friend of mine who had one described it as it feels like somebody rooting around in your handbag except you're the handbag yeah okay so you feel yeah. kind of pulling and tugging but it's not painful and what they do is they cut through the various different layers and then they uh, open up your uterus and then they release the waters so when you're there you can hear a lot of suctioning that's not because you're bleeding that's because the the, the lycra fluid around baby yeah. and then the doctor reaches in and um, gets baby's head and pulls it out in, in a gentle cesarean they then let baby birth yeah I've seen videos of it's it and so it looks cool. amazing and it's a much more gentle yeah and and if baby is in good condition there's no reason why that shouldn't be an option or certainly ask yeah. now sometimes if there's in any way if baby is in any way not happy sure they need to get out and that's the amazing thing in all every unit in the country there is a theater on standby mm. that's just there waiting in case you're the person that needs the help. And it is amazing in a, an emergency situation how, cl- how fast you can react. And we're just really lucky to live in this country that we have access to that because isn't it great that that's, you know, isn't that so cool yeah. that we can get babies out the sunroof? I just think that's of amazing. Of course it is. But again, you know, just for mums, if you've had a cesarean Obviously, your pain afterwards is going to be yeah. it's going to be tougher because what other operation are you then handed a small human and go and mind that? Yeah. So it's major surgery, major surgery. So just go really easy with yourself. Get lots of help and um, mm. lots of pain relief afterwards, no matter how you give birth. You can you bleed after you give birth less with the C-section, more with a vaginal delivery. And people can be a bit freaked out by that because they're like. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. Wasn't expecting that. And it'd be quite heavy if you ever go in and buy maternity pads. I call them surfboards. Mm. Um, you need, you know, about three of those and you'd be changing them quite frequently. Oh, God, yeah. I remember my first shower afterwards. It was like a scene from Carrie. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. But it is like... I was like, what's going on? And also, body? if you're breastfeeding, because when you breastfeed, you get a surge of oxytocin, your uterus clamps right. and you can have a little spurt out. So yeah. that can be... Yeah. Don't wear white trousers. It would be... <laughs> <laughs> black uh, all the way black all the way yeah so and and Things again we do eh yeah and again just for feeding if you have a c-section your milk usually comes in day three if you have a c-section that can be delayed mm. so antenatal expression can be a great way to so that's gathering a little bit of colostrum and having it kind of in the freezer and it means that if your milk is a little bit slow to come in then you can give that to baby and baby will be happy out but it's very possible obviously to breastfeed after a absolutely well. yeah. absolutely if that's you decide uh, absolutely if that you know if that's mm. and, and just to emphasize as well i am in no way um a breastfeeding bully i hate that idea that women are bullied in it is again totally about what's right for you yeah. but the amazing thing about breastfeeding at the moment during the pandemic is women have covid antibodies in their breast milk so oh, even if you're not mad on it if you could just do your research and see what you think because you're almost giving the baby like a bit of an immunization by breastfeeding them yeah. and it's a great because newborns and um, their little immune systems aren't developed so they're very vulnerable so it's a great way to you know even if you weren't thinking about it if you just give it a wee bit of a bash um, even for a couple of weeks it could it can really help with that yeah. but again no pressure no and, I've, and, I've and I, I you know I need to be really clear about that I, I hate that idea 
um, that we put pressure or guilt people. This is like stop yeah, it. There's you know, enough, there's enough of that, and we do that to ourselves enough as well. I, I like mean, nobody will beat yourself up yeah. worse than yourself. You know, I have spoken before about my own um, struggles with breastfeeding. Uh, so I was pumping and feeding on the breast for I think it was about seven or eight weeks. I got to um, and. And for me, well I, done you. You're I, amazing. I, thanks, but I really talk about meeting my demons. I did during that period because, um, and and you said the word earlier, and it should be banned because I did feel like a failure because I thought, well, I've had this dream birth experience. I'm Earth Mama. I sh- this of course it should be just a piece of it. <laughs> I should be able to do this. And here's your sister. I'm the expert, and I ended up having to pump and got mastitis six times. There you go. And would didn't tell anyone how bad it was because I was so ashamed. And I'm the one that talks about female empowerment, like ha 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 ha. But uh, so you know, if it can there happen to me, it can happen to anyone. Yeah. So again, I really beat myself up. Oh, shame sure. is so powerful. The shame, the sh- the shame around birth and birth choice and birthing. It's kind of I think the last taboo. And yeah. I would love this conversation to even open it up in people's minds of themselves that we just need to be a little bit kinder to ourselves, be yes. a bit more amazed, be a bit more focused on what we can do as opposed to what we can't. And if it all goes to hell in a handbag, you've still grown a human. You're amazing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So important. I think I think these episodes are, well, again, they're exactly what I would have loved to have heard. So I suppose I'm there selfish in one way but I know that if I would have loved to have heard them there'll be plenty of other people that'll hear them that'll feel the same because I'm already getting a lot of direct messages that's great uh, which is which is brilliant so people are connecting with the content and and I know like you were I was hungry for information and I wanted to know as much as I as I could and this is a really good refresher course for me because obviously you know I'm, I'm in the third trimester now so it's it's all ahead once again um Everybody talks about the tea and toast after you give birth. And I didn't realise how, how epic it was until I was and, having and it. And my question is, what do they have in other countries? <laughs> like, what, you, you know, I've always, like, do you get a bit of pasta if you're in Italy? <laughs> you know, and is that the best pasta you've ever heard? But there is something, and I mean, it's why I would never have eaten white sliced bread. But when I did nights, and I did a lot of them, it's all, because it tastes even good, even if you're not, oh, if, so if you're working. But it's magic, and it is just delicious. And there's that satisfaction yeah. Isn't it? It's yeah. just, it's the best tea and toast you'll ever, ever have. have in your life. In your life. Um, <laughs> and, and just to hold that space as well. So I know when a baby is born, you're dying to tell the world. But once that little, uh, I suppose, advice. bubble is broken, then everybody's in and you have to text. So what I would say is an hour makes no difference. Even two or three. Give just it time. you, your birth partner, your baby, that. hold that space for each other, have lovely skin to skin, which should be uninterrupted. So baby's just wearing a nappy on your chest or on the other parent's chest. Take every picture, look at their perfect little hands, look at their nails on their toes, like it's the size of a grain horse. It's so perfect. Do they look like granny? Do they look like granddad? Do they look a bit like a frog? That's what feelings <laughs> look like. Um, 
do they look whose eyes do they have what little rosebud mouth um, all how perfect because you've grown that yeah. and it is a physical manifestation of the love that you have you know it, there, you know there's mm. something really you know this is a new generation this is new hope and 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 it's yours it's yeah. yours now and um i just think that i call it the sacred space i really think there's something really special about that and um so get off the phone and 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 just and I'm also so i have a confession i am addicted to sniffing newborn babies oh god nothing like addicted it. I used to go around the nursery and literally just sniff babies like they just I don't know what, again. it's like catnip they are the most delicious I know their little velvety head it's like oh god it's like their skin is like a petal like a rose petal it's so beautiful and also if you are lucky enough to get a hairy baby <laughs> so let me explain some babies Felix was as bald as a little rat but some babies are born with hair like hairy heads hairy shoulders hairy backs hairy ears <laughs> and you just want to actually eat them they're so gorgeous I just love them I just think they're just amazing oh. so just enjoy that little moment wherever you give birth however you give birth you and your birth partner that is and look what you've made mm. um, and no matter um what your baby looks like it's yours and you'll have never seen anything more beautiful in your life and speaking of that you're by the way you're such a beautiful communicator I could just <laughs> listen to you speak all day your voice is magic but when baby comes out now I didn't notice this because I'm obviously delighted it's over and I'm just uh, I'm 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 Mount Everest oh my god point. yeah I'm on a high I'm like I've never felt more loved up in my life um, but my partner did say like when Colin came out like it was a proper conehead <laughs> I was like what's wrong and it was like well obviously they have to make their way and they're not pink and they're not pink yes yeah. and you can think oh my god I got the alien baby so yes. babies heads are not like we have a skull and it, all of our our uh, bits for skull are fused together baby skulls are in about five different bits mm. and this is really cool because when they're coming down that birth canal they actually mould so they mould mm. into a shape that's easier for us to birth and it's kind of like an alien cone head <laughs> and then if <laughs> I you, didn't see it at all and then if you had to if you've used if uh, if you've had a instrumental delivery so a vacuum or anything like that they can also have an even more cone head. Okay, yeah. So you're going to think that baby is the most gorgeous thing in the world. And then you look back in photographs and go, right. <laughs> right. Now, isn't that funny? So, and for dads <laughs> as well, they can just get, or, or birth partners, because we can't just assume that it's going to be male. So the other birth partner um, can kind of be like, oh, that's lovely thing. That's yeah, no, lovely. I remember him saying so, that. And he also said that Cahan's testicles were really swollen. And he was very like, they were swollen. like the size and, of a mandrel. And also, He's like, very on? strangely, <laughs> in the first couple of days, little girls can have a fake period. So you can oh, have, find a little... That's right. And b- b- boys or girls can lactate. They can have a tiny little wow, swelling around their um, nipples. nipples wow. And a tiny little bit of milk can come out. 
just enjoy that moment. No, and you're right. And something we did as well was um, because I did find towards the end because I would have told everyone when I was due. Yeah. And the texts that come in yeah. quick and fast towards the end, and you're a bit like, oh, would you go away? Because yes. every time, you, but somebody, again, it's pressure. It is every time somebody anything happening or anything moving, you're like, I will tell you. But it can be random people, and you're thinking, I wouldn't tell you anyway if yeah. it was. But the thing is, so, we didn't tell anyone. We oh, didn't yeah, even tell good. our closest, Don't. and and it was absolutely no offense to because we're you know we're very close to close friends and family. Mm. But we just didn't. So our, the first text that came through was because we had we knew we were having a boy. We had named him from early oh, in the pregnancy. Lovely. Everybody knew what he was called. And did he look like a Kyle? Yeah. Well, I suppose yeah. yeah. I suppose he was always going to be Kyle anyway. Yeah. And we've already named our little girl That's as lovely. well. We talked to her all the time. But um, what was I going to say at all was uh, when we sent the text. I think it was. I think it was. It was Damien that sent the text. But it was, you know. Kyle's here. But isn't that fabulous, but it was that, fabulous that they didn't have here. to be worried yeah. or, or be concerned? Because what's the first thing we say when we hear a baby's bur- born? Is everything okay? Oh yeah, of course. There's an assumption of risk. And another thing as well, take black and white pictures. Black and white? Go They're on. much kinder. Um, everyone looks beautiful in sepia. Oh yes. Good. <laughs> so, <laughs> everyone looks lovely. You can be very, um, I suppose, rosy. A yes. rosy hue. <laughs> after birthing a human. Yes. So everyone looks lovely in black and white. Everybody. Okay. It looks, babies <laughs> look lovely. Moms and mums and dads and dads and everybody looks Top lovely. Tip. Yeah. So. Okay. I love this. Oh, come here. This was a bit fantastic conversation. And oh, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so I'd much. I'd love to go on and on, but I know you have a child to collect. So yes. do I. So um, next week is going to be all about the moment baby is born to those early days and weeks and and then I'm afraid we're going to have to wrap up the pregnancy mini series because I've really enjoyed it. Because you have to go and, and birth a human. How birth exciting. Human. I know, so exciting. I, I, do you know what? I feel less afraid now. I was telling That's you on the great. way up here, up the stairs that, you know, you asked me how I was doing and I was saying physically pretty good, but emotionally, mentally, I'm definitely suffering from more anxiety in this pregnancy. And I think it's a feeling of not being as prepared as I was first time around. But I'm definitely feeling a lot less anxious now. But just to finish on that, you've done the ultimate preparation. You've done it before. Okay, good. So your body and your brain remembers and it will be like getting into a really lovely, comfy pair of jeans. It'll just feel, ah, I know this. I can do this. That's what it'll feel like this time. You'll fly it. You'll be great. You say all the right things. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this conversation, please consider showing your support. It only takes a minute, I promise, and I would be so grateful. You can leave a rating or a little comment on Apple, or you can click follow on Spotify. You've been listening to Ready To Be Real Conversations. Hold up, what was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.